have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 11. We're reading from, one, from verses 1 to 13. And we're talking about the disciple and his prayer life. This is part 2 of the teaching, the disciple and his prayer life. Luke chapter 11 from verse 1 to 13. Now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place when he ceased that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. So he said to them, when you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And he said to them, Which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, Lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, Do not trouble me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds and to him who knocks it will be opened. If a man asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then be evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Amen. All right, so these verses we began to look at two weeks ago um, about prayer. And really the key elements to prayer out of these verses we're going to focus on are... The need to learn about prayer, which we've already looked at. The model prayer, which again we looked at. Our attitude in prayer. And our expectation from praying. It's good to see Danny over there. Come on, give him a hand. He's a, he's a member of our church who has not been able to come for quite a while. It's great to see him. God bless you, mate. Wonderful. God bless you, mate. My cockney's coming. All right. <laughs> So, four key um, elements in prayer. We've looked at two already. So today we're going to look at our attitude in prayer through these verses. The kind of attitude we are to have. Now what we're going to do this month um, and also next month is focus on prayer. And just really to strengthen our prayer life because this is one of the key elements of our focus this year in pursuing discipleship. So, from verses 5 to 9, our Lord addresses the kind of attitude we should have in prayer. The first thing is we are to approach God out of our relationship with him. We are to approach God out of our relationship with him. In other words, as one would approach a friend. As one would approach a friend. So verse 5, he says... And he said to them, which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. Now, God is not only our father and our Lord teaches us in these verses to speak to him as our heavenly father. 
He's not only our heavenly father, but in the arena of prayer, he expects us to relate to him as one would relate to a friend. In other words, he wants us to make our requests from a vantage point superior even to that of the claims of our friendship with him. So in this verse, you see that the friend goes to his friend and says, give me three loaves, a friend of mine has come. He goes to him because he's his friend. And he expects his friend to help him out at this awkward hour. And in the same way, the Lord is teaching us that when it comes to prayer, yes, he's our heavenly father, but he's also our heavenly father who sees us as his friends. In fact, the Lord Jesus tells us in John chapter 15, verse 15, he says, um, from now on, I do not call you servants. I call you friends. I don't call you servants because a servant doesn't know what, or a friend, a servant doesn't know what is happening, but friends know everything that is happening. I'm paraphrasing the verse. The point that I want you to see is that God not only wants us to approach him as a friend, but he wants us to approach him from a position that because we are this intimacy with him, we can go beyond the demands of friendship. So, yes, you're my father. Yes, you love me. Yes, you're for me. And yes, you're hearing me. But when it comes to prayer, he wants you to even go beyond the claims of a friend. Because this verse says, although he will not give him because he's his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will give him everything he asks for. And what our Lord is teaching us is, is the persistent request that inconveniences this friend to give the friend what he wants is the same kind of persistence he wants us to have when it comes to approaching God concerning that which we want to see. Now, it's so important because in these verses, he's teaching us about the attitude of persistence that is necessary for us to have that which we are asking God to give to us. So the second thing he wants us to do is this. We are to approach God with confidence. So we are to approach God out of our relationship with him, and then we are to approach him with confidence. Verse 6, for a friend of mine has come to me on his journey. I have nothing to set before him. Our God, our Lord, wants us to have confidence of his answer in relation to those that we are interceding for, and in relation to that which we are asking of him. He wants us to be confident. Now, beloved, there are different prayer agendas that are important. But when it comes to interceding for somebody else, God takes a high premium of, places a high premium of importance on that. When it comes to you as his child praying for somebody else, that is something that God wants you to be persistent about. I have so much testimony about this in my own life, and there are several of you, I'm sure, that could say the same. But I want to encourage you, no matter how impossible the situation appears, in these verses, we are to approach God with confidence concerning that thing. Can you say amen? Unanswered prayer does not mean God will not answer. 
especially when we are praying for somebody. Especially when you're praying for somebody. Just because you haven't seen an answer doesn't mean you should give up. There are some prayer requests that I prayed for over 10 years, consistently, over 10 years, until I saw a breakthrough. I pray you will see a breakthrough in Jesus' name. In Luke 11, verse 7, he says, and he will answer from within and say, do not trouble me, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed, I cannot rise and give to you. So, this third point, unanswered prayer, does not mean God will not answer. It's very important. Just because what you are believing for is important to you, but you are not seeing the breakthrough that you want to see, does not mean God has said no. Now, there are times the Lord does say no. But until he says no, don't, don't assume he has said no. We need to differentiate between delayed answers from God and his refusal to honor our prayers. Delayed answers versus his refusal not to answer. Often, when we see a delay, we interpret it as God saying no. And so we give up. Or we allow ourselves to become discouraged and so we give up. I want to encourage you. He says this. The guy asks his friend, give me these, these loaves of bread. And his friend answers, don't trouble me. Leave me alone. Look, it's too late. My children are with me in bed and I'm not prepared to get up and give to you. And the Lord is using this to instruct us that at times when you are praying for something very important, which is God's agenda for your life, beloved, there will be a delay. There will be a delay. Now, sometimes the delay may be because you have not fulfilled the criteria required for you to have the answer. In fact, often when there is a delay, more than likely it is because you have not fulfilled the divine criteria in your context. So, for instance, look at Joseph in Psalm 105, verse 19. The Bible says that he went through all these things until the time that his word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. Joseph of old went through, after God spoke to him at the age of 17 that he was going to be the ruler of his family, for 13 years went through a process of preparation. But that process of preparation was the pit, was slavery, was um, being falsely accused as an attempted rapist, was prison, and was being forgotten in prison for two years. But the scripture says here, it was until the time that his word, what word? The dream that he had, that he was going to be the ruler of his brethren, until the time that that word could fully form in him and for it to be able to come to pass so that he was equipped to be the ruler of his family. He says, the word of the Lord tested him. And I tell you this, whenever God gives you something for your life, he gives you a word for your life, that word will test you. 
That word is supernatural. And it will test you. And this is why often prophetic words must be received and heard with a lot of wisdom. Because often when you receive a prophetic word, immediately you receive the reverse of the promise of that word. Go check your Bible. God says to Abraham, through you the whole earth will be blessed. And for 25 years, his wife is barren. She is barren. He says to Joseph, you're going to be a ruler. And for 13 years, he's bowing to everybody else. This is a pattern. It's a pattern. He says to Mary that your, your son is the, uh, shall be the son of the highest. You know, he shall rule over the, um, um, Israel and all that. And f- then for the next how many years, immediately she has to run into Egypt of all places to hide. Lest that child is killed. What a strange thing that Mary, Joseph and Mary had to go and hide in Egypt of all places. If you understand Egypt in the word of God, you know that that is the last place that the son of God should be going to for refuge. It's the principle of the reverse of the promise. So when God gives you a word, and I want to emphasize this point, When God gives you a word, you must learn that that word will test you. That word will test you. You know, my dear friend and elder brother here, Steve, I keep asking him to ask God a question. Ask God a certain question about something. Because you need the mind of God to war properly concerning Whatever you want to see. Yeah. You need the mind of God. And there are certain things that the delay itself is the answer to your prayer. You say, what? Because if the thing comes when you want it, it will destroy you. You are not ready. But you've been praying, God, I want your will to be done. So bring this up. So because you want his will to be done, he says, I will delay it. So that in itself is the answer. Say, ah, Pastor Joe, this is not good news. <laughs> you know, me and my wife have this thing. We say, do you want the good news or the bad news? So sometimes she tell me, I'll tell you the good news. I'll say, give me the bad news. Or, no, I'll tell you the good news. The good news is, the boiler is, the, sorry, the bad, the, she said this. Okay, I said, give me the bad news. She said, the bad news is the boiler is gone. Oh, that is bad. So what's the good news? The good news is we're still alive. I said, that's irrelevant news. <laughs> and then she will look and smile and <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. All right. So an answered prayer does not mean God will not answer. Fourth point, we are to approach God. Uh, It's underscoring the point, but we are to approach God with persistence. There's too much microwave praying. In the name of Jesus, bring the finger. Amen. It must be here. That's why a lot of Christians, microwave, press the button, ding, three minutes, ding. Oh, God, give me, don't give me, Luke 11, 8. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, 
He will rise and give him as many as he needs. The need for persistence in prayer is one of those mysteries and secret things that belongs to God. So much so that some very reputable teachers will say, once you pray the prayer of faith, you don't need to pray again. But that is clearly nonsense because the Lord teaches you persistence. The man who prayed the most, who knew prayer, who was prayer, said, be persistent. In the parable of the persistent widow and the unjust judge, I think it's Luke 18, I'm not sure, because someone check that. He says he spoke a parable to them to this end that men ought always to pray and not to faint. In other words, we should always pray and never give up, saying, there was in a city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man, and there was a widow in that city who came to him saying, avenge me of my adversary, and he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, though I don't fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow is troubling me, I will avenge her. Lest by her continual coming, she wearies me. This man, this judge, couldn't care less about the justice of this, for this widow. But he said, I'm going to give her an answer. Otherwise, she's going to wear me out. In fact, when you study it, you will discover what he was really concerned about was his reputation. Because by her keep following him around and saying, give me justice, give me justice, she was exposing his incompetence, if you please. So I better sort her out because she's just bugging me. And then the Lord says, hear what the unjust judge is saying. Listen to him. That because of this widow's persistence, he's going to give her justice. So he says, and shall not God avenge his own elect who cry day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you, he will avenge them speedily. Even though this guy is unjust, he's wicked. He's prepared because of the persistence of this widow to give her justice. How much more God, who is on your side, how much more God, who wants you to be blessed, who wants you to have the breakthrough, who wants you to see the desire of your heart fulfilled, how much more God? He said, nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, shall he find faith on the earth? What kind of faith? Faith that refuses to give up. That is persistent, refuses to let go until the answer comes. It seems inconceivable that almighty God could be hampered in answering our prayers. And yet, that is exactly what at times happens. Even a clear scriptural example, Isaiah 59, 1 and 2, Behold, the, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor his ear heavy that he cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. So even our very sins can bring a barrier so that God will not even hear the prayer. As loud as you shouted, he still didn't hear. Yeah. Persistent prayer makes tremendous spiritual power available on our behalf when it's done from a place of brokenness and of humility. 
It allows the hand of God to be revealed where it will otherwise be held back. James chapter 5 verse 16, the second portion says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth, King James Version, availeth or New King James, avails much. The Amplified says, the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. So it appears that as we are persistent in prayer, as we are praying persistently, spiritual power is being accumulated on our behalf concerning the context until it so builds that, boom, it's released on our behalf. You must expect God to answer you when you pray. You must expect him to answer you. That's the fifth point. He says, verse 9, So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. Because of persistence, our Lord says, I'm telling you, ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock. And it will be open because of the power that is in persistent prayer. So, pray and keep on praying. Say to your neighbor, pray and keep on praying. Say to somebody else, pray and keep on praying. Come on, look at them. Look at them and tell them, pray and keep on praying. Yeah. Don't stop. Don't stop praying. You know, um, some of the old-time preachers, um, like the classical Pentecostal preachers, I don't know if any of you ever heard of a guy called Shambach. Anybody? I used to like to listen to Shambach in the 80s. He was awesome. And when he, I remember him preaching this. That's how come I was able to remember Luke 18 so well, because I kept hearing Shambach. And he spake a parable unto them to this end. But I'll, I'll hear it. Man ought always to pray and not to faint sin. <laughs> and I'll hear it and hear it and hear it. But it taught me something. To keep at it. Keep at it. Keep at it. Until the answer comes. I don't care if I, until I die. I'll keep at it. I'll keep at it. I'll keep at it. You see, when the answer comes... It comes suddenly. It does. It comes suddenly so much that you will not even think it's supernatural. Yeah. You keep praying. Lord, bring it, bring it. Remember when they were praying for Peter to come out of prison? They were praying. They says prayers went up to God daily on his behalf. So much that when the answer came, they said, oh, you're beside yourself. It must be his angel. What a weird statement. They entered the realm of superstition. They just could not believe that the answer would come that way. Your answer is coming in Jesus' name. Verse 10, Luke 11. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. Now, in verse 9, when he says, I say to you, ask, and it will be given, you know it because I've taught it many times. It's in the present continuous tense. So he says it like this. So I say to you, ask, and keep on asking, and you shall receive. Seek, and keep on seeking, 
and you will find. Knock and keep on knocking and it will be open to you. So verse 10, our Lord says, For everyone who asks and keeps on asking, receives. Asks and keeps on asking, receives. Seeks and keeps on seeking, finds. Knocks and keeps on knocking, the door will be opened. And that's where many, many fall short. So I've been praying for the last three months. Is that all? Three months. Three months. Listen. I've been praying. I've been, Pastor, I fasted for 40 days. 40 days. And take it easy. Take it easy. Mr. Invisible, take it easy. You fasted so much, you're now invisible. Take it easy. Don't stop praying. This verse reinforces verses 5 to 8 about persistence, but introduces three levels of breakthrough resulting in persistent prayer. The first one is answers. Ask and you shall receive. Our persistent asking results to answers with our requests. You keep asking, eventually the thing you ask for, you'll get an answer. You will get an answer. And then our persistent seeking results in discovery or revelation. As you keep seeking, you will find. You will discover something. And our persistent knocking results in open doors or new opportunities. And here is the thing. When you are praying about one thing and expecting God for an answer in one thing, when that answer comes, often it comes with a multiplicity of other things that you didn't even expect. You didn't even expect. You prayed for a wife and got wife, children, house, land, and more problems. Amen. You prayed that God will give you a job. But what came with the job and the money was character development. The boss is now making demands on your character. So you are now growing more in Christ. What a breakthrough. Yeah. Prayer is an opportunity for us to create divine realities for our lives. Yeah. Prayer is an opportunity for you and I to create God's reality for our lives. You don't like your current circumstance? I don't like it as well. Why don't you use prayer as God has ordained to create the reality? I remember this truth. I learned this in the 90s. In the 90s, I remember praying one day and I realized something, a pattern, that often I will pray for something in the future and then when that time comes, I'll find myself walking in that future that I prayed for. So I said, let me anticipate the future and begin to create realities on certain days. So you can look at the years and pick a day and say, Lord, this day, how about we 
we plant a church on this day. What do you say? This day we plant a church. And when we get the green light, we begin to pray into that day. That whatever happens, whether it's an earthquake or the sun or whatever, we will plant a church on that day. What about on this day we see 10 souls saved? See, you know what we do with this? We use it and turn it on ourselves. This day I must get a pay increase. This day more money. This day... And that's the problem. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss. That you may consume it on your own desires. God is not committed to your selfish desires, beloved. No, he's committed to his kingdom. Remember when we talked about the model prayer, how the order of priority is. Our relationship with him, honoring and respecting him, his will, his kingdom, and then our needs. That's the priority. If that priority is wrong in our lives, our prayers will be hindered. Yeah. Prayer is a platform for learning and development. Yeah. Prayer is a platform for learning and development. I find in my walk with God that that is the place I learn the most. That is how I'm able to write my notes. That is how I'm able to learn, write books, write courses. It's in the arena of prayer. We pray, 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 talk to the Lord, pray, 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 pray. Then we sit down and we get download. Or when we study, we find it flows very easy because the spirit is tuned, the mind is alert, and we can intelligently type. It allows you to behold the Lord Jesus and be transformed from one degree of glory to another. The scripture says, 2 Corinthians 3.18, but we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. As we behold him with an unveiled face, what we see impacts us, changes us to become what we're seeing. It's a place, prayer is a place of development, of transformation, of learning. In Isaiah 50 verse 4, this is a messianic prophecy. It says, the Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens me. He awakens my ear to hear as they learn. Every morning, our Lord, growing up, was being instructed by the Father through the Holy Spirit because in his time of devotion, he could learn. He could learn. Yeah. Prayer is also a place of empowerment. And I said transformation. A place of empowerment where you are strengthened and you are changed because of what you're receiving. In Luke 9, 29, he says, as he prayed, as Jesus prayed, the appearance of his face was altered and his robe became white and glistening. As he prayed, 
as he prayed, he changed. As he prayed, as you pray, you will change. I'm telling you, as you pray, I was very, very not, I was not a very confident teenager. Something happened to me in my mid-teens, 14, 13, 14, 15, I lost all confidence. My dad would tell you my grades went boom. I was really bright one moment. My dad, he never knew why. I never knew why. Well, now I know why. One moment, I was really bright, sharp. You ask me questions, fractions. My dad witnessed it. They'll ask me, what's a third plus a half divided by two? And I'll give the answer. I can't even give it now. I could give the answer. Just sit work it out my head and give the answer. I thought it was normal. But something happened to me. Somehow, all that went. I lost confidence. When I found the Lord, or rather the Lord rescued me, I began to change. But it was when I discovered prayer. When I discovered prayer in 84, when I recognized that I had the spirit of prayerlessness and I repented, and I began to pursue praying. By 86, I had changed. From 86, 87, those who knew me saw I had changed. I changed. Prayer changes you. It changes you. You become addicted to the presence of God. You become addicted to God. You become addicted to pursuing God. That will be your testimony in Jesus' name. You change. Your life changes. Your priorities change. Your worldview changes. Yeah. I pray that will be your portion. We want to see in this church men and women that are aggressive when it comes to prayer. That are not shy. That are not timid. That are not intimidated to pray. That as young men, you could stand in a corner two hours and chew the tongues before God and pray and worship and fast and scream and shout in a corner for two hours in the presence of God. It's easy to play a computer game for two hours. I pray that you'll be able to pray and not just play for two hours. <laughs> Are you still here? Persistent prayer will result in an increase in spiritual strength. Your strength in the things of the Spirit will grow. Your faith will increase. Because of how we used to pray when we were younger, when we stood before people and spoke, we spoke how we prayed. There was a boldness and a confidence. Austin will tell you. We would pray, we would pray, we would pray. So we could go out and preach. When we stand before the people of God and speak, there was an authority. Because we prayed. Our spirit grew. Jude 20. But you beloved. Building yourselves up on your most holy faith. Praying in the Holy Spirit. Building yourself up. In your most holy faith. Praying in the Holy Spirit. As you pray in the Holy Spirit. Both tongues and under the influence of the Spirit. You build yourself up. You become stronger. You become stronger. Your spirit becomes stronger. You can resist the enemy. You can rebuke the enemy. As a growing young Christian, facing the demonic, 
Remember once we were just walking the street. I'd just been praying, 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 praying. Ripped my shirt in the process. Just praying. Yeah, because I was serious. No, no, no. So, actually, no, that's not when I ripped my shirt. I ripped my shirt for a wife. I remember that one. I ripped my shirt for a wife. It was my vest. Some nice. Oh, give me my wife. And then it ripped. I said, uh-huh. No, actually, no, that, that was, I don't want to be depressed anymore. That was, I ripped my shirt for depression. That was the one. But this one, I, I just come food. Dealt with the devil. Came out as we walked past a woman. The demon in her groom. They can help me. That's the true story, isn't it, us? True story. Powerful story. But it was in prayer. Your spirit becomes strong. Yeah. Your spirit becomes strong. You know secrets. Those people who pray, they know secrets. Sometimes I like to know people's business, so I take them. I want to pray for, I want to pray for, who should I use? I use Andrew. I want to pray for Andrew. Lord, as you pray, Lord, I bring Andrew. Then you begin to know secrets about Andrew. Ah, okay. Good secrets, not bad secrets. I've told him, don't be telling anybody anything. I don't want them to know. <laughs> Hallelujah. So I want to encourage you to develop an attitude of persistence in prayer. Amen. Let's stop there. We're going to pray. I want to pray for those of us here who, I'm not talking about last week or yesterday, I'm talking about over a period of time in the arena of prayer, you have been sluggish, you have been given up. I want to pray for the spirit of prayer to come upon you. Where from today you will press in into prayer. When I started pressing into prayer, my target was five minutes a day then 10 minutes, then 20, then one hour. That's how I did it. And I did that over a period of a year, nearly two years. Five minutes, then 10 minutes, then 20 minutes, then one hour. And then after that, time wasn't the issue anymore. Um, some of us here, God is challenging us about prayer. 